Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to two spots for me, 2 Samuel 4 and 2 Samuel 9. Now real quick, question for you just to get us started, and those of you joining us online, make sure you are participating right along with us. By a show of hands, how many of you would say that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Shoot your hand up. Okay, that's great. That's great. If you're here, you didn't shoot your hand up, we're excited that you're here, don't worry, I'm going to actually meddle with those people who just raised their hands, okay? So again... Is he really, though? Is he really the Lord of your life? Like, think about it for just a second. This week, was he the Lord of your life? Okay, now Lord simply means owner, master, landlord. So again, think about it this week. What owned you? What was your master? Was it anxiety? Was it fear of the future? Uh, Was there some thoughts about money, like after the presidential debate? What what owned you? After you found out about the COVID report for the president, like what thoughts? Then how many hours? For just a second, how many hours did you spend possibly listening to the voice of victimization? For those of you who have been through hurtful situations, how many hours did you rehearse it? How many hours did it play over and over and over again? Just the facts. Don't need you to feel anything about that. What are the facts? Now I ask you again. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? I mean, why are we here? Why did we all come today? Is it so that we could only believe in Jesus and then get prepared to die? Or is there something more that God's after in us? Is he actually trying to get us to become like Jesus and change the world? Raises the question, what does that mean? How do I know if I'm becoming like Jesus? How do I know if I'm growing? Well, the scripture says in Matthew 7, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, which means practical, he's like a wise person that built his house on the rock. So if Jesus said these words, then his greatest desire is that you and I would practice something during this time so that we could get out there and then change the world. So if we don't practice, that question, by the way, is something I ask myself every week, the practice of examination, the practice, you could say, of observation and evaluation. I like to call it this, sounds a little cooler, the practice of the general's tent. Someone said, battles are won in the general's tent. And obviously, you know, the the soldiers go out to fight on the battlefield. Then they come off to look at their game plan, strategize, and begin to look towards their next battle. So that's a practice in Scripture, to examine ourselves. So did you do that? What owned me? What was the master of my week? Taking time to do that. The title of my message today is this, me You and Mephibosheth. 
We are going to get familiar with an incredible story about this boy who was born to be a prince. He was born for greatness, just like you and I. Now, his name is tough to pronounce, Mephibosheth. Say it. Not bad. You guys are pretty good, all right? But his story is pretty tough to forget. Now, all of us have been created in the image of God. All of us have been created for greatness. And there is this tension in the fact that we're also all broken and sinful, right? There's the ideal of how God's created us. Then there's the reality that those two things exist. Both are true and have to be reconciled. And we're going to see in the story of Mephibosheth that there is the realness of this taking place, all right? So this kid becomes five years old and everything in his life takes a turn. And what we're going to see in this story is that his story reveals three labels specifically, but three labels that you and I have a choice in living under just like he did, and we get to make our choice, and we're going to do that today. So here's what we're going to see in the story specifically. We all live under labels, but these labels are our choice. We choose it. And labels become like these big name badges that we wear, that we bear to the world. They're also uh, the identity that we hold, so we're going to lock into it. So question for you, remember, we're going to practice some things. I'm going to give you some specific practices. But as I ask you these questions, think. We're here to think about our thinking. So if you have to take notes on your phone, but don't miss the moment that God is trying to do to cultivate the soil of your soul and my soul so that we walk out here with the reason why he brought us here, which is to grow. How do I know I'm growing? My perspective shift, my mindset shift, my language begins to shift, and lastly, my actions start shifting. Okay, you with me thus far? Question? Are you aware of the labels that you've been living under? Now, 2 Samuel 4, let's set up the story. All of you know or have heard the story of David and Goliath at some point. This young shepherd boy with a sling and some stones knocks down Goliath. So let's add a little bit to it just so that we're all on the same page. So David is this young shepherd. He comes to the Israelite army at a time when they're all very scared. The king at that time of Israel is a man by the name of Saul. Uh, David comes in and makes some statements about how big God is and this person who's defying the armies of the living God. He gets his shot, he takes his shot, and he successfully defeats Goliath, okay? Now, after this time, David gains a lot of notoriety in Israel, and uh, Saul and David become friends. So King Saul, David... But something happens. Some tension begins to happen because people start saying things like, Saul has killed a 1,000 and David has killed 10,000. And so all this admiration starts to, just starts to subtly creep in into Saul's life, right? Now, Saul also has a son. His son's name is Jonathan. He has a few more sons, but Jonathan is the one that's important. Now, Jonathan and David become really good friends. They become like Blood brothers, they cut covenant, they, you know what I'm saying, blood brothers, all right, so they're really great buddies, but this jealousy starts to get a hold of King Saul, and Saul begins to go after David, trying to kill him a multitude of times, but what's interesting is that David 
who has this heart for God. He's a great representation to all of us. He, he really just continues to do the right thing. He continues to, every time he has a chance to kill Saul, he honors what the Lord says. He honors the anointed one, okay? Now, here we are in 2 Samuel 4. And David has now become a part, or he has become a king of Judah. And uh, essentially, something has gone down. A battle has gone down. And we're going to, we'll fill in the blanks here in just a second. But you up to speed? Online, you up to speed? Tempe? Okay, all right, here we go. 2 Samuel 4. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Well, what news? What had happened was is there was a battle at Mount Gilboa. Uh, the Israelites were fighting the Philistines. Jonathan gets killed. Uh, Saul gets wounded. He gets I think shot with an arrow, and then basically he doesn't want to be disrespected, so he falls on his own sword. Okay, so here we go. Pick up his nurse picked him up, this five-year-old uh, boy, and he, as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Okay, so now here we are up to speed. This young boy, Mephibosheth, is five years old when he becomes an orphan. He's an orphan at this moment. His grandfather is killed. His father is, is killed. His nurse now picks him up, runs some sort of freak accident, and she trips, and he becomes disabled or lame in both feet. That's an important thing you want to write down, okay? So uh, we, we begin to um, move along in this story, and now that Saul has been killed, David through the uh, ranks and admiration of all these people, he, he gets placed into the position of king. And now he is king over all Israel. So we're fast-forwarding now to 2 Samuel 9. If you're with me, say, we are with you. All right. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, they were buddies. Uh, verse 3, the king asks, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba, who's a servant, answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Makir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Now, Lodabar is this place, and the name means pastureless, nothingness. We'll get to why that's important in a second. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Makir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Uh, David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Now, for just a second, let me bring you up to speed on what uh, transpired in this orphaned, lame boy. Being lame, having the inability for both of his legs to operate, at this point in time meant that he was going to be economically vulnerable, physically immobile, religiously, he would be alienated. He was looked down on. Born to, he's a prince, Born for greatness, and in a moment, everything shifts totally out of his control, all right? Mephibosheth bowed down again, said, what's your servant that you should notice 
a dead dog like me. And the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him. He's giving uh, Mephibosheth the servants and all these people to help him um, and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Listen to that language from David. Uh, skipping, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons, verse 13. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Interesting, you'll see this, we'll come back to it. Story starts with him being lame in both feet. Interestingly, it ends with the same phrase. Now in this story, so anybody who's like, I don't see any relevance in the Bible. Like, that's insanity. Like, in this story, it's clear. We see in David, God the Father. His kindness, his royalty, his character. In Jonathan, we see Jesus, the one who made a sacrifice, who made a covenant, who made an oath uh, for us, a friend. And in Mephibosheth, we see us. Broken, hiding, hurting, born for great things, but some things happened. And all of us understand Mephibosheth is a representation. This is why the Bible gives us these stories. That's why we hear his words and we have to hear the stories. We have to hear the questions. We have to hear the promises, yes. But guys, we need to lean in. Because when we lean into these stories, they are better than Game of Thrones. They are better than whatever you're watching on Netflix. But you got to read them. You just got to take time. And some of us, you know, it becomes a little bit. All right. But now, we see in this reality our need for salvation, but to be saved, yes, so we can be connected to our creator, but even more so, saved in a broader sense. So we'll look at that. So three labels. Remember, a label is a name that we wear, name that we bear. It's an identity we hold. Three labels we have a choice in living under from this story. Label number one. Write this down. I know some of you are like, Phew. it's a lot of story, Brad. Good one. Here we go. Now, label number one, label of loss. Okay. So Mephibosheth, again, he's born to be great, but things out of his control happen. His life gets, I mean, hard, like real hard. How many of you, like if right now the word I say orphan, think about an orphan. Over the course of my life, I've been to many orphanages, Koresh's in Haiti. I have lots of pictures in my phone. What do we want for orphans? Nothing? We want them to find a home. We want them to be loved. We want their hurt to go away. We, we want them to feel comfort. Usually they don't have parents, but that's what we want for them, okay? So this is what happens, Mephibosheth. And one day his world comes crashing down. Do you remember that day for you? Those days for you. I mean, how old were you? I remember for me what it was like to experience loss, the loss of uh, my, my parents and their relationship, the loss that I began to feel when my older brother and my older sister uh, both were sick. My, my sister was sick emotionally. My brother was, was si uh, suffering from sickness physically. I remember what it was like to feel that. I was eight. How old were you? Things out of our control take over what is in our control and begin to control our lives. 
It did so for Mephibosheth. He's orphaned. He's lame. He's crippled. And these, these things that he experienced, these losses, all of a sudden start going from, from just this thing that occurs in his life that he is supposed to process and go through to becoming the leader and the label of his life. The legacy of his family has been marred. He's deprived of his royal privileges. He's living in this place. What losses have you suffered for just a second? Loss of a loved one, even a cherished pet, the loss of your innocence. Some of us, when it comes to an area or a word like uh, a loss of our virginity, we made a decision at some point in our life, and we don't recognize that the loss of that innocence plays out and can easily become a label that we live under in an identity and a badge separate from the identity that God gave us. The abuse, the abandonment, the neglect, the loss of dignity, the loss of a family. The divorce, betrayal, affairs, status, roles, responsibility. What should have been, what could have been. The loss of time, the loss of money, health, job, deals. We do not like thinking about loss. We really don't. There's that tension. There's that tension, and so we don't like doing it. And I want want you to, to know something about the enemy. It's pretty easy. If I had to sum up what the enemy, like in one word, how you could describe his tactics, his team, It's just communication. He's the father of lies. He's a liar. You know, in in talking about his team, uh, they they send messages. That's what he does. And in loss, think about the, the messages. Think about the losses that you've experienced in life. What messages, what whispers did you start hearing? Mephibosheth is hearing those same ones. Born to greatness, born to be a king, but now he's lame in both legs. He's, he's lost his, his father, he's lost his grandson. And this, this is not a message about, get, or, or this point is not about getting over it. Breaking through. You know what you're supposed to do with loss? Is you're supposed to enter it and go through it. It's called grief. We are really, really in need of getting better at this. Because we won't attribute something to a loss in our life. And, and here's what grief is like. It's like uh, digesting something. You digest it and then eliminate what you don't need and walk away with what you do. This is why when we look at the model scripturally, when there's, like, let's say the death of somebody. But this is for all of what I said. All of it. When you have a loss, this is what you need. You need people to come alongside you in silence with their presence, not to say anything, but to just be there to provide a human-to-human connection. What does that do? Does it fix? Let's say somebody had a family member that was hit by an 18-wheeler. What are you going to say? You know, at least it wasn't everybody in the family. Like, this is, this is what we hear sometimes, all right? Well, we're not supposed to get over it. What we're supposed to do is think about it. Think about the weight of that. And in that time, in that grief, you realize that life is precious. You realize that time is precious. And there's a person sitting there who is identifying with you and bringing comfort. This is what we're called to be. This is what we're called to do. But some of us have gotten into a loop. And it's, we're stuck. Why? Because we've never processed our loss. And it's 
leading our lives. It is the label over our life. Well, what happened? What happens to us? Well, this, the thing that happened to Mephibosheth, what did loss cause him to do? It caused him to live in Lodabar. What was Lodabar? It meant nothingness, the place of isolation, the place that literally means misery, pain, sadness, darkness, loneliness, despair. It's both an emotional, spiritual, relational state. And this is where he is. This is where we live. But everything's great. But we don't realize that this is not something we're supposed to live under. It's not supposed to be the Lord of our lives. He is. And where he leads, he leads us to peace and comfort. He leads us to people. This is why we have life groups here. This is why life groups are leverage and not just simply a book study for us, although that's fine, but you and I need to practice connecting with other humans, being vulnerable, and understanding what's supposed to happen in loss. We get so caught up in thinking about being good and bad. Our actions, good and bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm good, I'm not good. When it, we get into this roller coaster. So some of us in here, I'd probably say 99%, have probably done some things that we're not really proud of. So what happens when we don't process that? We start trying to do a whole lot of good stuff. Just let's be good. I'm going to be good. I'm going to go to church all the time, read my Bible and be good. Yeah, of course. Why? Because you get on, you get on this, this roller coaster. And what is God wanting to do? Is he wanting you to do your good boy, good boy? No. He's already established what he thinks about you. He, he's already established that you're his masterpiece, that you're everything that he says about you. He sent his son as the complete annihilation of sin so that you and he could be close and you're still trying to do it again by being good and not good. All right, I might need to move on here. So one of the things that I'll just tell you as a practice, real simply, is, you, is the practice of breaking agreements. So when you start living under the label of loss, you start living under lies, something that is not true about you. So what do you do? You list it. You list the lie. Huh, I think I'm a totally worthless piece of whatever. And, huh, I mean, next to what God says is true, that's... That's not true. Well, I need to break agreement. I've been living in Lodabar. I live isolated and hunched over. We all do it. And I break my agreement with it and the vow I've made. Listen, I've had to walk this through. You have several of us that are on, on quote-unquote staff here. We've walked through some pretty difficult situations that tried to make us live under that label. And I refused it. I refused it. And when I began to digest what had happened in my life, I became stronger. I became, honestly, I stepped into the full reality of the identity that God gave me, and things started shifting naturally, not because I was doing so much good. Let's move on to label number two. I got caught up here. Label number two is the label of labor. Again, has, has labor your effort where you put your effort and your strength, has it become the Lord of your life? Well, before we get into that, because Mephibosheth, well, it, was, it was his lack of effort, right? David comes and is like, listen, I'm going to give everything back to you. I'm going I'm to give you this inheritance back. And then, and then Mephibosheth's like, he's standing in front of the king who can make this decision. He's like, 
I'm a dead dog. I'm just a dead dog. And I know that most of you are like, no, I would never say that about myself. Yes, you do. You do too. You think that in the back of your mind down deep. That's why we got to dig to root out these lies. But he's like, I'm a dead dog. Okay, so that's his lack of effort. I can't produce anything. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. A worthless piece of human. But let's, let's list a few other things, the label of labor we can live under here. What you've done, your, what you haven't done, your degrees or lack of degrees, your knowledge, things you've earned, things you've worked for, status, contribution, reputation, responsibility or lack thereof, your board appointments, your titles, your CFO, CEO, entrepreneur, hustler, doctor, lawyer, judge, captain in ministry, Apostle, such and such, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. Even the title of towels, I'm just a servant for the master. My false humility. Things like our looks, pretty and handsome. All these things are not bad. They're they're just not supposed to be over our lives as Lord. How many hours, right, when we think about looks, you're like, no, 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 not me. How many hours a week do you spend putting those eyelash extensions on? I'm so sorry. I've seen some ones. Like, it seems like a lot of time, but that's fine. We're grateful. But in comparison, no, Jesus is Lord. But I spent 47 hours getting ready this week. I don't know that that's Lord. You just got owned by it, okay? In the same way, right? What about other things like um, personality tests? I'm an Enneagram 3, by the way. (laughs) It's on my personalized license plate. My strength finder, I mean, strategic is number one. Okay, great. My Myers-Briggs, I'm a ENFP, double A, whatever. Like, cool, that's great. Uh, but it might be a little bit like you're elevating this thing. Bank accounts, you know, all this stuff, like, is not supposed to be Lord. Why? Because it's hollow. Brad, are we not supposed to work hard? Yes, you are. Work is something God blesses. You just don't exalt it to Lord of your life, and you do it. You too online. You guys do it too. Like, we do it. I'm not making fun of you if you have a personalized license plate. It's great. Work hard. Is it Lord? It might be. Why? Because you spend all day with it. All the time. All the energy. Right? How about serving in the church? Let's do that. Let's talk about it. All right? Um, I mean, we say things. Jesus was a ser- He's just a servant leader. That's, that's partly true. He was integra- an integrated leader. He was more than just this servant. And if you, if you think about that, you start heading towards that direction. Jesus was so much more. So for the last few weeks, I felt like the Lord was asking me to step away from my title and position to go serve in the parking lot. Okay? Like this sweet moment. And he was like, I want to give you a gift. And it, it was really something that he wanted me to see. And I think like inside my heart, I was like, yes, Lord, I I will serve you wherever, starting to lift up this thing. And while I was there, if I, I'd be lying. Like, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair, just to give you an understanding of this. 
So here's, here's the birds that flew over my head. They didn't nest in my hair, but here's the ones I thought, you know, <laughs> I really can add way more value than the parking lot, Lord. Uh, I mean, I, you know what? It's 118 degrees out here. <laughs> I think everybody will see me just fine how much of a servant and hum- humble I am. We laugh a little bit. And the Lord corrected my thinking and was like, hey, I got a gift for you out here. See, if, if people see you and they don't see me, then you got your reward. But if they see me and they don't see you, then I got mine. And I was like, okay, great. So this is not about like, you know, picking up a, a towel, laying down a title. He's like, actually, I'm not interested in either towels or titles. I'm not, I'm not interested in those things. I'm interested in your heart. I'm interested in the people that are coming in here. And I started getting this, this picture because all of a sudden God started giving me a gift and what it, was, what it was like to serve in the parking lot because I have been over-responsible my entire life, guys. I just have. Some of you, and this, here's the vision, like CEOs and people that have titles and all day you're responsible, you're responsible, you're responsible. Do you know how awesome it is to go in the parking lot and like literally not be responsible? Just be a kid. It just helps when the chaos brings some order. It's refreshing. It's freedom. I challenge you. If that, is, if that is not something that you're experiencing, because often people will come to me and they'll be like, you know, Brad, is there anywhere like somebody like me can serve? Like I am really, really important in my life and I've got skills. Many times, not just a few, like many times people will be like, I mean, I know greeter and, you know, hosting and cafe and parking lot. Like, here's a little secret. That is a process of cultivating the soil of your life so you can become the person God intended you to be, not so that you can just use your gifts. How do you know if you're messing this up? When you come to greet and you're like, is that person serving at my door? You might be missing the point. If you walk by me, this has happened several times, like, oh, looks like you got a promotion, Brad. You might be missing the point. It's okay. No condemnation. No shame. Those of you not yet involved in serving, you might just not understand that you're here to have the soil of your soul cultivated, and there's a gift. We do not need you to serve, but you You need you to serve. When you get the right perspective, I guarantee you something happens. It's called the practice of the lowest seat. This is not so that we can think less of ourselves. This is so that we can think of ourselves less. I would write that down and stamp it. Get a tattoo if you have to. Just kidding. Don't do that. But living under the label of labor produces a false sense of identity, security, acceptance, and purpose. It does. It's got to be in the moderation. It's got to be right. It's got to be under the lordship of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is a master shepherd. He is a master teacher. He's a rabbi. He's leading us somewhere. That's why he said, hear my words, put it into practice. What have you been practicing? When you walk away, well, The only thing that Jesus practiced, he read his Bible and prayed. That is incorrect. 
you might need to dig a little deeper to actually recognize what an integrated person Jesus was. Emotionally, processed his emotions well. Relationally, hung out at the dinner table, having awesome meals regularly. You should do some of that. Why? Because Jesus did, and you all said you were followers of Jesus. Had fun. Check out the Road to Emmaus story when the, the whole, you know, Towns and cities are caught up in the fact that uh, these people who follow Jesus, you know, he's, he's dead. He comes up to two guys and starts going like, hey, what's going on? Like that is humorous. And for some reason, we do not allow for the personality of Jesus to come through. All right, last label that we get to choose to live under is the label of love. You get, that's your choice. You get to choose not to live under the label of loss. You get to choose not to live under the label of labor, but the label of love. So the king, David, he comes in kindness. He comes based on the relationship of Jonathan. He takes the initiative to pursue, to look for the descendants of Saul. He doesn't abide by, you know, revenge and self-preservation because now as king of Israel, he could take out any dynasty or, or people that were legacy, he could kill them. He had the right to do that, but he doesn't. And no matter how crippled we are by the accidents of our lives, the things that have happened to us out of our control, there is always God coming to you and I, offering us the true identity as sons and daughters of God. We, we do not, coming back here, we don't serve as servants we serve as sons and daughters. That is a big difference. My kids do not walk around my house in some sort of father, father, some Elizabethan voice. But we're like, hey, you got to help out. Put out the trash. Do the dishes. This is what it means to be a family. Like, that's what sons and daughters do. We don't do it for identity we do it because we know who we are. My sons and daughters know whose family they are a part of. Ladies and gentlemen, please know whose family you are a part of. So we live under love. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations and those who love him and keep his commandments. He offers the table to Mephibosheth. Doesn't. Tell him he has to do anything to deserve it. That's why this is a representation of God the Father. Because this is the offer to you and I. He offers him favor, protection, power for now and forever. Mephibosheth has done nothing to merit this royal favor. Me, you, us, we are Mephibosheth. Now, the story begins and ends with the phrase, lame in both feet. When I saw it, it was weird because I was like, you know, I've never looked this up in the Strong's Concordance because why would, why would a story about God's goodness start here and end, end there? I wonder if there's a different word for, for these two phrases. Sure enough, there was. The first phrase is nahe. It's a Hebrew word, and what it means is, I did pretty good. You should have applauded or something. Just kidding. All right, nahe. And what it means is, Physical lameness, dejection, contriteness, 
Like basically that this, this thing is, he's affected by shame and guilt. And Mephibosheth's name means out of the mouth of shame. Okay? But the second Hebrew word is not nache. Nache. Okay, got to get back there. All right. It's pisiach. Pisiach. P-I-C-C-E-A-C-H. And all it means, check this out. This is great. All it means is, is physical ailment. So, so why is that important? Think about your heart, the brokenness, the issues, the loss, uh, all the stuff that you do. I mean, if you're being honest, most of why you probably work so hard is because of some situation, right? Like some situation where uh, we had with our, our father or, or dad or somebody. And some of the reasons why you don't work as hard is because of the same things. And we start living out of this sort of, this tension, it controls us. And our hearts have these giant uh, splinters lodged in them. And all that happens when we accept God's identity and kindness and favor and we come and sit at the Lord's table, all those labels start shifting and we start allowing ourselves to live under the label of love. Those splinters come out. But all those things that happen to you, they're still there. Betrayal that abandonment, that abuse, but you know what's not there? The sting and the stain of it. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know, because I know. Because I've had it. I've made poor decisions in my life. I've, I've tried doing everything to make God happy, realizing that I just, I didn't understand. I didn't know how to process loss. I didn't know how to go through these things. And just, a sh I was scotch taped together. I knew it would break, but everybody kept cheering me on. You're great. You're awesome. You're this. When, when I needed to understand what I'm sharing with you, I needed to walk out Mephibosheth's story. But then when the thing that I already knew could happen, happened, I knew it. Everybody else didn't know it. So then they were all shocked, but I wasn't because I knew there was things internally that were chaotic. And I was trying to figure out my identity. Who am I? Why am I here? Who wants me? Who can I trust? Because you grow up in brokenness and that's what happens. So then you're starting to reach for relief and release in things could be work, drug, alcohol, sex. All you're trying to do is to get the validation because the deepest place of your heart is who am I? Why am I here? You know you're born for greatness, but like Mephibosheth, you're wondering, I'm lame. Look at, look at my life. And God is like, I'm going to restore everything back. Here it is. Here's the offer on the table with Jesus. Everything. You have my favor. You have my protection. You have everything. Everything. You're my son. You're my daughter. Just getting you to go, yes, I'm not this betrayal, this affair, the lack of this, what I have done, what I haven't. All those things are not supposed to be at the level that you and I have been living. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we practice? How do we walk out of here growing to our perspectives? Our mindset, our language, and our actions shift. Here it is. In three easy steps. No, just kidding. Not so easy. <laughs> Locate where you've been living. Like, write it down. I don't care how many years ago that thing happened to you. If you haven't processed it, it's still there. Write it down. What lie as a result of that thing have you been listening to? I'm a loser. I'm a whatever. I'm super amazing. 
both sides. Let go of the label. I didn't say get over it. Let go of it like this. Just let go of it, your position and your posture. Grab hold of the gospel that's contained in this story. Like, it's so good. Lean into his love and his lordship. He's a shepherd, he's a rabbi, he's a master, he's a teacher. He's calling you and I, I always say this, he's like the sensei at a dojo. But sometimes like, uh-oh, is that scary to say? No, dojo actually means place of the way. You go there, not to just hear information, guys. You go there to watch and listen and then practice. So Brad, what can we practice? Well, here's, here's a practice that I've titled The Practice of Peace, and we're actually going to do some work today. Dang it. This is a phenomenal tool. It's called a chair. Okay. Everybody, everybody have one of these? Yes. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the simplicity of what you can do each and every day because Colossians 3.15 says you. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. That's in your control. But, but wait a minute. Brad, I got tons of chaos and you don't know how many uh, names and lies and whispers. Again, Scripture says you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Well, Brad, this, this better be super fantastic. No, it's not going to be super fantastic, but it is going to be very simple because that's where Jesus always takes us. This is called the phone, a smartphone. Everyone have one of these? Okay, get ready. Get, your, get into whatever ready posture. We're going to listen to a song for about three, four minutes. We're going to practice peace. Here's why. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Uh, we know that the story is not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. He's in the still, small voice. And then we know the story of Jesus. There's all this chaos going on. Jesus is sleeping. He gets up and he says, peace, be still. And he, yet he still says in Colossians 3.15, you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Here's how we do it. We're going to take some deep breaths. Could we, could we do that together? Here's what I know about deep breaths. Neuroscience says that your amygdala, after taking deep breaths, shrinks over the course of three days. The gray matter in your prefrontal cortex where you make decisions increases. I think that's pretty cool. That's why I said it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close our eyes, and we're going to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts by listening to a song with intentional words. And we're going to end with some, just some silence. Okay, so let's do it. Thank you.
trust you with my future Cause you're already there I hear your voice Call me forward And I know I'm not alone Not alone Away with the distractions I wanna hear what's true The only words that matter They come from literally four minutes. <laughs> Something that you and I can do every day. I do this every morning. I have a whole set to be able to bring God's peace into my life. I practice. I practice and God's voice gets more clear. That is as simple as it is. I didn't say it's easy, but it's simple. And I just want to invite you, when we come to hear God's word every time, the question we ask ourselves is, what does this mean? And what am I going to do about it? So if you're here very quickly, very simply, and you've been living under the label of loss, it's become Lord. Or you've been living under the label of labor, and your labor and your loss has taken a position of ex exaltation over his lordship. Could be this week, could be the last 30 years of your life. But if that's you, and today you want to just make a declaration, serve notice, demolish and crush the arguments and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of the fact that you are a true son and daughter of God, stand up on your feet and just say, that's me. Yeah, stand up. Great. Thursday night, tons of people. Awesome. Pretty easy, guys. That's all you do is you stand. You're like, like this. Yep. Yep, I've been doing that. Now, some of you are thinking, oh my God, if I stand up, 
What will people think of me? You should stand up. You should stand up. Why? Because in standing, all we do is we come back under his lordship. No shame, no condemnation. Yeah, I've been elevating that thing. Okay, here we go. Thank you. That's why we do church once a week. Yep, I'm over here again. Yep, back here again, okay? Well, that seems crazy, Brad. No, it's not. It's that simple. And we keep practicing and we keep challenging each other and we keep doing it. So those of you who are standing, let's just simply bring our hearts under his lordship right now. So, Father, thank you for all that are standing right now in their courage, in their hearts. You know in your kindness, God, that they just want to learn and practice. Holy Spirit, as the teacher in God, would you come to them now and give them just simple ways that they can begin to bring uh, your lordship or come back under the lordship of you and step back away. Help them to realize that the things like even legacy, God, they're not that important. Yes, they're important. But what is important is being in your presence, being with you, letting peace rule in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. No pain. All right. Now, a couple things, and then I'm going to dismiss you. If you're here, and maybe what I said about serving, maybe it's time for you to step out, to start serving and discovering the gift that God has for you to help cultivate the soil of your soul not to lift up your gifts. Your gifts will make room, but you may not start where you want to start. It might be where he wants to start because it's about him, not about you. Okay? There's a QR code on the screen so that you can get busy becoming the son and daughter of God that God wanted you to be when he made you, all right? I like what some per one person said. Now that we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. Like, we gotta step into the reality of that, okay? And last but not least, if you're here and you don't have a relationship, uh, a deep, deep understanding of who God is, his kindness, his son Jesus, the, the bond and relationship that he established through his death, burial, and resurrection, and you want to hear more about this friendship, awesome. We'd love to show you. He's an amazing coach, teacher, master. Your life will get really incredible if you'll follow, listen, and practice. There may be some people that you've talked to, they don't practice anything Jesus practiced, but they say a lot of things and they think they really follow him. They don't. Don't listen to them. Listen to him. And everything in your life will get better. Text the word Jesus to 24587. Let me pray a prayer of blessing and let you go. God, thank you for these people. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Help us to shed a Mephibosheth mentality. Recognize the kindness that you have for us. And may we always eat at the king's table, not as servants, but as sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.